0: Hello, you're listening to Send in the Experts with Georgina Durrant. This podcast is all about teaching and supporting children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. My name is Georgina Durrant. I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by Twinkle SEND. SEND as a former teacher in Senko myself, I want to create a platform to share some of the amazing things that my guests are doing to support learners with SEND. So whether you're listening on your commute, tuning in whilst walking your dog, or curled up on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee, thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, I am joined by Mel Fisher from The Thrive Approach. The Thrive Approach is a provider of tools and training to support social and emotional development of children and young people. It was initially a way of tackling school exclusions, but now offers a whole setting approach to supporting the right type social and emotional development for all children and young people. Mel is a trainer and relationship manager for Thrive. She explains that professionally she was always drawn to the vulnerable children and those who struggled to make positive relationships and achieve success at school and Mel describes herself as a proud mum of an amazing autistic son. Hi Mel, how are you?
1: Good morning Georgina, I'm very well, thank you.
0: Good, thank you so much for joining us, I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So I mentioned a little bit in the introduction about the Thrive approach, but you're the expert. So can you explain a little bit more? What is the Thrive approach, and in particular, its use for children with special educational needs and disabilities?
1: So the Thrive approach is just that. It's an approach to support children to thrive, and we do that by encouraging and supporting every child to feel safe in life, to feel supported by the adults around them, and to be ready for learning. So. This is for every child, and it's an mm-hmm. every child approach, um, and that means that it does work particularly well with children with SEN. So, yeah. you know, we we work with all sorts of schools um, and settings. Um, we've got specialist settings that are using Thrive really, really well alongside our mainstream provisions. Um, it works
0: fantastic and how did how did you get involved with them what's your background because you it, I touched a little bit on it in the introduction mm-hmm. um, and how you were drawn to vulnerable children etc so what what's your background
1: well it, it starts with Harry uh, you know he's 34 now um but you know there was very little known about autism when yeah. Harry was born um and I pretty much had to find a lot of it out for myself um yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually in awe of the incredible experts and the, the people now, that are, the wealth of information that is available to people. Um, but I felt, you know, quite alone, very isolated when I was a mum with Harry. Um, so that brought me into education, really, um, because I needed to, you know, to be able to work to support him and be around when he needed me. So I started working in schools and. Um, after you know a long journey of working in schools, um I came across Thrive about ten years ago, um, and I thought it just sounded amazing. Um, wanted to know more about it. Worked in a school, and I showed them, and I said, you know, could I look at this? You know, could we look at this? I think it would really benefit the the kids that we work with. Yeah. Um, so I became a licensed practitioner, and it was transformational. You know, I, I thought, why everyone should know this stuff? Why didn't I know this stuff before? And it's not rocket science. You know, it's yeah just makes complete sense um it changed me as who i am and the way i relate to people um yeah. and it it really it did it changed me and and you know people say that and it sounds like so
0: <laughs> no it doesn't because things do, do genuinely yeah. change people that so no, i i believe you on that that's really interesting that you've done it you've seen it from both sides as well as a parent and mm-hmm. also you know working in schools and you can see the benefit for that so the the actual origin of thrive then where where did it come from who was involved how did it all start
1: well, I think there's a lot in the media now about social and emotional health and mental health and well-being, and yeah. I think you know it's it's important to say that Thrive is is not a fad. It's not jumping on the bandwagon of this. You know, we have been over 25 years. Oh wow, yeah, because you
0: know, you're right. It is at the moment. If you look on sort of Twitter and any other social media, it it is being spoken about a lot. It seems very topical. So you, yeah. so 20, 25 years. Wow.
1: So the founders, they they came together down in Devon, um, and they all had backgrounds in educational psychology social work teaching and they you know they were all sort of approaching retirement and thinking about what children needed and what children were finding difficult and worried about the level of exclusions even back then. Um, which is why you know as in your intro you talked about the fact that that's one of the things we do and it's really evolved from there into into this whole incredible package of support and training that we're able to deliver now
0: fantastic and what this is quite a broad it's quite a question and um, what impact does it have on children so why should people do it like what how does it benefit pupils how does it benefit schools how does it benefit teachers and what makes it effective why, why do you think it's so good
1: well I think it's adapted from being seen as an intervention certainly when I first became a practitioner um 12 years ago now um it, it was something that was seen as a, a method of support in school for mm-hmm. children that were struggling yeah And so they would be children that were struggling with their behavior primarily. Um, And I think that the way the world has evolved is that all children are struggling. Um, You know, I know this is a podcast about Zen, but what we're seeing is those levels are going up and up and up. You know, the the registers in schools are getting bigger. More and more children are needing support. And they're needing support with such a wide range of things, Mm -hmm. you know. At the moment, the thing that we are very aware of and it's very topical is attendance. Yeah. So, you know, we're introducing Thrive into schools, we're supporting schools to support children to attend school, to a- achieve better, to be happier, um, and to have some lifelong skills really to build resilience against life's threats and challenges.
0: Yeah. So, in terms of school avoidance, then, that is something I wanted to ask you about. How can the approaches in in the thri- how can the thrive approach actually help children and families like coming to school? How, how what does it what does it actually like you know, day in day out? How does it how does it work in improving attendance and and not just improving attendance for the figures of attendance, but improving it so that children want to come to school and feel happy and safe coming
1: to school? Mm. I suspect one of the reasons it's so difficult at the moment is because school is not a comfortable place for many children and particularly yeah. children with sin. Yeah. If, if you are spending all day in somewhere where you don't feel you belong, mm-hmm. where you feel different, where you feel like it's a struggle, yeah. and you don't feel accepted for who you are, and you don't get that people get you, what happened is, in the pandemic, everything went online. Yeah. And I think a lot of children and young people preferred it. Yeah. You know, they
0: home be, and they were comfortable if they were you know if they're fortunate enough to have a home where they felt safe and happy yeah.
1: and could be themselves there was a lot of focus at the time on children that were not happy and that children mm-hmm. missed school and they weren't in safe homes and they weren't in places you know where they were getting what they needed but we didn't talk about the children that actually preferred it yeah. And like, what we're seeing now is that all the kids that missed school and were delighted to be back are back in and you know they've they've they're adjusting to the new normal whereas the children that experienced being safe at home doing their yeah. learning the way that was much more personalized and without all of the distraction you know if we think about all the sensory needs that that send children have in classrooms what they got was to sit at home in their safe space have their safe personal screen and do their learning and now we've got to replicate that to get them yeah. back
0: and from a logical point of view from you know kids kids can be extremely logical and it doesn't it doesn't make sense to them I think because you've why why can't they still do it at home you do it worked for them they were working really hard they were told perhaps they were told they were doing really really well with their schoolwork. everyone was happy and then they're back in school and they're not as happy and thinking well why can't I do what was working well, Mummy and daddy are still working from home perhaps why can't I it, it, yeah when you think of it from the child's point of view it makes sense doesn't it
1: So what schools have got to do is they've got to work harder to get them in. Mm -hmm. And and that means that they've got to invite them in. They've got to welcome them. And they've got to create that safety that they experienced at home within school. And that safety generally comes from relationship. It comes from being welcomed in the morning by somebody that knows you and is genuinely pleased to see you. Yeah by coming into school a little bit earlier perhaps and having a, a social breakfast or doing something nice before you have to get into the the day which yeah. you know, then is when the challenges for most children begin as the learning starts so it, you know, it's it's about that special welcome it's about what happens during the day it's about yeah. recognizing what they need
0: and I suppose not the, the heavy-handed approach with attendance that we're seeing some places um you know where they're you know, the parents are in trouble etc like that and they're putting stress on the parents and the families that's not I would guess you don't
1: think that's the right approach well I, it was interesting I was in a school yesterday and you know I got involved in a debate about attendance because mm. um, the, the school had been directed I'm not sure whereby so I'm not going to quote that but the yeah, school you... directed to consider going to parents you know going to the homes and talking right. to parents and meeting the children and they were really reluctant to do this yeah because, well certainly on their own um because it's tricky you know parents parents have got that pressure they they know they need their children to be in school or they make the decision that they're not going to go to school yeah but generally most parents want their children to be in school and they want them to be happy and they want someone to understand that and You know, this is another part of what we do at Thrive. You know, we don't just support the the children and the the staff. We also have a wider community support around working with families. Oh,
0: brilliant! So we we I didn't can know do that. that yeah,
1: through, yeah, we can do that through Family Thrive. So schools can train practitioners to become Family Thrive practitioners, and they can work with parents to support parents to understand what their children need socially and emotionally
0: yeah oh that's lovely I like that you sort of you know round the whole child it's every angle it's not just yes. school it's thinking mm-hmm. about the parents because the parents are such so an important they're the experts of the kids they're yes. the ones that know them the best that's really and, good and from
1: a parental perspective I totally get that
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: We sit so often in reviews and meetings and you're called to the school and you've got to have another chat about your child's behaviour and, you know, this isn't working and we need to do this. And, you know, parents can feel huge pressure to to make their child fit in, you know, to and how do we do that? Usually by using rewards and consequences and incentives for for older children. And, you know, really we're just missing the point. If children are not happy if children felt safe, and if children were met with relationship, then we wouldn't be having all these conversations about what's so tricky.
0: Yeah, oh, that's really, really interesting. So we've got listeners listening um, in mainstream and special schools, you mm-hmm. know, as well as al- alternative provisions. Is the training that you provide on Thrive different for different settings, or are you doing the same? Yeah, How does it differ?
1: I imagine it's, it. The it's the same. Exactly yeah. the same training. So when you come to training, um, that we train in small groups and the trainers will be aware of the backgrounds of all the delegates. Yeah. Um, but essentially, we're teaching the same thing. Yeah. And we're teaching you to support children and young people. We don't really separate it. You know, if, if you've got a, a child um, who is autistic or if you've got a child with sensory needs or complex needs, Um, you still need to understand that behaviour is communication of unmet need. And you still need to understand that every one of us needs to feel safe. And I am going to keep saying this because it's No, no, please do. um, That we've got this ability to to know that when we go into somewhere that we're seen and heard and acknowledged for who we are and not what we do. And so I, I think it's whether we're training somebody who is, Um, in a special school or somebody's in a mainstream school we're training the same thing we are asking people to be compassionate to be authentic to be open to be playful you know we teach about using pace to be curious um to not make assumptions and judgments you know thrive is a non-judgmental approach we we know life happens you know we know that stuff happens and it's that's life and it's about how we respond to it that's important. So our training is the same. It's the same.
0: That's, yeah. So, and you've got something, I believe, called Thrive Online. Can you explain yeah. a little bit more about that? So that's used to track social and emotional learning, I believe. So you're sort of assessing children, seeing where they're at. Is that essentially what it is and seeing sort of emotionally? But I, I don't know if is it like their age, sort of their social, emotional, I'm guessing, <laughs> social, emotional age. You sort of like basing it on that and then seeing what support they need or...
1: Well, when we think about your previous question, which is how mm. does the training differ? The actual training doesn't differ, but yeah. I Thrive Online mind. So okay. the Thrive Online tool is a profiling and assessment tool. So yeah. every child will be profiled for their right time needs. And is that every child
0: in the whole school?
1: Yeah. Right. So we're able to track what children need at the right age and stage in their mm-hmm. development, from that profile, teachers and, and staff in schools can then look at the results and they can see the children that are on track at the right yeah. time. And they can see the children that might have some unmet needs or some gaps in their lower development. And that's the work of the licensed practitioner because the licensed practitioner can then do that individual profiling to look at what the children have missed at a, a previous developmental stage. Wow. and create action plans and strategies and solutions to go in and give them those experiences that they've missed now to fill the gaps
0: i that data is fascinating to look at Absolutely. as a teacher like it, or as a head teacher I imagine looking at your whole school and this is just off That is just me thinking but um, have you noticed an impact of the pandemic on these like scores if you like yeah, are you noticing a difference between the kids, the kids of the pandemic, we'll call them? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, they, you know, year three downwards, who've completely had their complete school disrupted from when, you know, they, year three were in reception, weren't they? When, um, when it all happens and they were out of schools, so they've not they're just starting to have their normal years in school. Are you noticing a big discrepancy between those years in school and the ones, sort of, year old yeah. ones or previous <laughs> yeah. years?
1: and it's interesting that you mentioned year three because I take it a step further and I'd say it's every transition year so really yeah was,
0: this, but yeah you're bound to be right, right actually yeah.
1: Children are not ready because no. they've had they've missed vital years of social learning yeah. you know that what what they would do being out in the community being at toddler groups being with child minors being with other people other than yeah. moment actually um then you've rightly got your you know your your um transition from, uh, key stage one to key stage two children, so your year three children that have missed yeah. so much in that key stage one. Yeah,
0: especially yeah. like play-based learning in particular. Play's a big thing for me. But um yeah, play-based learning in particular, that year group's really missed out because they missed out on the a lot of year one and a lot of reception. So they and then they were suddenly into
1: the more academic sit at a desk years. <laughs> and and that's and they weren't ready. No. They're not ready. No, they're not um, and then when we look at the year sixes that are transitioning mm. to secondary school, they're not ready. You know, emotionally, every child is a little bit immature based on the fact that they've missed this vital learning. Yeah. Our Thrive Online is um, is based on, sorry, that's a pop-up and it distracted me. It's like um, don't our really. <laughs> our Thrive online is, is based on the right age and stage. So we have six strands of social and emotional development that are based on our age so if we think about being doing and thinking they're the first three strands and they're also the first three years of life and all of these are the basis of our building of a healthy stress regulation system so what happens to us in the first three years become the foundation for how we manage stress wow so this is um you know part of the neuroscience of what we teach which links to to trauma um When we think about the fact that children, say, 6 to 18 months during the pandemic, this is the time in life when we imagine a toddler, when they are moving around, they're beginning to get some independence, they're beginning to realise the world is more than mum and dad, and they're recognising faces, and the world is a really exciting place. A whole year of that was spent at home Mm -hmm. with maybe two people, if they were lucky, Um, siblings, but... Um, maybe less people and so what we've got now is a is a generation of children that are not curious that are are lacking in the ability to just initiate engage in doing things that Mm -hmm. for choices so they're coming into school and they're needing more than ever that co-lecturing support they're needing that adult and the other children to say come on let's do this Let's get excited. Let's go out here. Let's try this. Let's touch this, taste this. And we can see that in every stage that uh, children have got missed gaps. Gosh, and it's going to be fascinating as we look at the data yeah. over the next 10 years.
0: Yeah oh gosh it really is it's 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 so different isn't it because I remember chatting to someone who was saying because I often think about it as the younger children I don't know if it's because I've got younger children myself that I think of it from that way and you do you, you think of your own kids don't you but i um, I was talking to somebody whose child during the pandemic had they were going they were during the transition period of going from year six into secondary school and it was things like <laughs> they were suddenly the pandemic was over or whatever and they were expected to be able to then they were old enough to then walk to school they're old enough to go to the shop but <laughs> because of when the pandemic happened they they hadn't done any of that with like alongside or they hadn't done any of those sort of helping them to do it so suddenly they were like but I don't even know how to use the machine at the shop moment I, I don't know how to walk to school and it was like this huge jump developmentally they're expected to do when they just weren't they weren't ready they were they were a lot more immature and I hadn't really thought of it from the secondary school point of view but It's just across the board it's gonna have a huge impact or gonna already have had a huge impact on development.
1: And when I said earlier about making assumptions, you know, teaching and training people to not make assumptions, don't assume just because a child is eleven or fourteen or four that they know what to do and how to do it because they've missed it and it needs to be explicitly taught. You know, we learn things by repeated experience. So the more we do something, the more secure that learning becomes and that creates neuronal pathways in our brain which makes it secure learning so we talk about repeated experiences and if we use the one about walking themselves to school they may never have walked themselves anywhere, even to the park yeah and then
0: just because they're at that stage where they should be able to do it they're not ready are they
1: (laughs) and it's the same if we look at younger children with potty training and yeah, we're in yeah. school ready for you know the amount of children that are starting school wearing nappies fiction mm-hmm. language you know yeah. in you know coming back to senator we're looking at children who should be able to you know put a small sentence together to say what they need to clearly articulate and they're not no yeah it's um it's it's absolutely fascinating and worrying
0: it is yeah absolutely um so once they're finding this data and when they're looking at the data the school's looking at this data and they can see that there's a bit obviously going to have been a big impact on the children that they've got in front of them what do they then do
1: so a part of the you know the assessment is here, here's what we've got here's what mm. we know and then the second part of it is creating action plans for strategies and activities okay so we talk about strategies as being our relational part of the approach strategy is how we are okay. so it's the most important thing and what we say to schools is don't get too hung up on the activities you know really what how you do it doesn't matter uh, one of our our trainers you know she's in my in my ear always when we talk about this for think of the banana rama song it ain't what you do it's the way that you do it
0: <laughs> that's going to be stuck in my head now <laughs> it's going to be going round and round all day thanks for that
1: <laughs> it, it's just it, it does it's brilliant and it stays yeah. there because it's that reminder that what we who we are, how we role model, how we respond, how we meet them in the moment of dysregulation, how we co-regulate, how we every moment with children, every intervention, interaction is an intervention. Yeah. So if we think about that and we think about how we are with them all of the time, what we're doing is we are creating a, a how to be.
0: Yeah oh I love this it's like it's not it's just it's how it's like bringing it all back to how it should be isn't it rather than looking at oh do this intervention and do this thing with the kids and it'll be amazing it won't it's just like no just be your authentic self and be kind to children and just be playful and fun and what children need more than ever now
1: and it's more than being kind Georgina because it's about you know yes kindness is important it's absolutely important but if we're thinking about what children need, you know, what experiences they've missed, it's about using Thrive Online to really target that. Yeah. So, you know, our, our our action planning is really targeted and focused. So we can look at an individual, we can say what this child needs is. Yeah. They need relationship, that's a, that's a given. What they need is a safe, steady, supporting adult. We understand that and that's going to happen 100% yeah. of the time. And also what we could do, is we could do a bit of this and so we can introduce play and yeah. we can introduce creativity and we can introduce using the arts to support the learning they need to do through play because we know that when we're enjoying ourselves when we're happy when we're learning that that learning becomes secure much quicker yeah. and that's how thrive works
0: brilliant oh so you're all about
1: play I love that <laughs> all about play. It's a, you know we've got four cornerstones of, of what makes the thrive approach one of them is understanding neuroscience and the latest in neuroscience. So we're constantly evolving and checking our training and making sure we bring the most up to date in yeah. that. It's so important that we use it. We've got this oh amazing gosh, technology, yeah. and we know what's happening in brains and bodies. So let's adapt. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've then got the importance of creativity in the arts. You know, mm-hmm. how are we going to support children to thrive? We're going to do it through play. Um, understanding attachment theory and understanding developmental theory and when we put all that together we get our fantastic approach
0: yeah I love it (laughs) I'm a big fan of play (laughs) I think everyone knows so (laughs) I'm very happy that play is a big part of this that's lovely um so it focuses we've said a lot about the importance of the relationships can you just sort of summarize why are relationships for children in particular so so important in schools because they are <laughs> if you've got children if, if you listening you've got children themselves they'll know that their kids are happy when they like their teacher as well you, you know I mean when they've got a teacher and they're like I really like my teacher or I love I love so-and-so mm-hmm. it makes such a difference It really, really does, and you know, I know it has been a teacher myself. If the kids like you, they they want to learn for you, and they want to do their best for you, and they want they're happier and they're comfortable in the class. So, yeah, can you summarise why relationships are important?
1: Well, I think relationships focus on what the child needs. Mm -hmm. You know, if if we, and it's interesting, really, that you said, you know, with with children, relationships are we're human. You know, we're inbuilt for connection. You know, it's we all want to feel like we belong somewhere, like we're seen and heard and valued. And when that happens, we've got the power internally to succeed and be the very best that we can be because we don't do it alone. Yeah. And so if you feel alone, if you feel like you don't fit in, if you feel like you have to adapt who you are to to be accepted and to be seen in a group then that's a huge pressure yeah. on who you are. And on top of that, you've got to try and do some learning. So when we think about the stress regulation system, there are three levels. And the, the very basic layer is our physiological response. Mm-hmm. So, when we've come across something that is tricky, that's overwhelming, a, you know, a stress or a threat, you know, something that happens out, out of our control, physiologically, we have a response. And what we learn very, very quickly from birth, actually, is that when we are met in relationship, when we feel uncomfortable and unsteady and something happens, when we cry and when we've got a pain in our tummy, but someone scoops us up and feeds us or cuddles us or speaks to us, what we learn is we're not alone and we can cope. Yeah. And so the relational approach is based on that theory. It's based on attachment. It's based on connection. It's based on we can do hard things. And we don't have to do it alone.
0: Yeah. I maybe mean, feel a little bit sad thinking about that because you're thinking as well, the kids that do cry and they are unwell and they don't get that. Yeah. And the impact that's gonna have on development. And I suppose is that sort of yeah, and the impact sort of trauma in a sense does have on development.
1: Well, developmental trauma is you know, it's a separate you know, there's trauma is all sorts of trauma, but developmental yeah. trauma is one of the ones obviously that we look at because mm what we know is if children don't have their needs met well enough at the very first stage of life in yeah. the first six months and you know like I said thrive is a non-judgmental approach so this is we're not talking people often think we're talking about abuse and neglect yeah we're not you know often we're talking about the family experience a significant bereavement mm-hmm. that there are mental health difficulties for the parents that they live in an environment where they don't have enough Yeah. Look at what's happening in the oh, world. No. Look at how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my children? How am I going to keep my children warm? This is what we're talking about. Yeah. This kind of um, life that, you know, that the background that children are growing up in, if there's illness, you know, if mum had postnatal depression, a baby is through no fault of anyone's not going to get what they need well enough. And that means that there's a really rocky foundation yeah as, you know as they come into school as they grow and develop
0: gosh yeah that's really yeah and like you say we've got a sort of double whammy in sense, haven't we we've got the pandemic that's affected and then we've now got cost of living crisis that is going to be impacting on so many families and, and causing an impact there
1: gosh it goes back to us, need. you know we need sleep we need food we need um, everything to stay alive, you know, all all of that stuff that we need. We need to be healthy, and we need to be cared for, and we need to be looked after. And when we think about that, you know, we need to be warm enough. We need to not be hungry. How many children are coming to school I know. not having that? Well enough. And the the, the trouble is that that schools have got massively tight budgets, and they're stretched, and they're trying to teach children, mm-hmm. but they're also having to give them breakfast, yeah. and so having to make allowances for the fact that they need to get them ready for the day
0: yeah I saw something on social media the other day and someone had said like asking or oh, what do you do if you've got this child has come into my class and they're misbehaving what would be the first thing you would do and someone rightly put on there I would check if they'd had breakfast and that's I think right. that's more and more common at the moment is you just check that you know they've got their needs met at the start of the day because there's a lot of children that are coming in that haven't and how you can't, I can't do anything after, you know. If people can't, you can't function, can you? You need all of these things to be in place to be able to. Ugh, yeah, it's it's quite upsetting, isn't it? And it's the sport of what's to come. It's quite scary over the winter time. Um. So in terms of behaviour, because I've touched on a little bit about behaviour, um, and you know people's needs being met, and we're talking about behaviour being a communication of need. It's behaviour can be challenging for teachers that we we know that. How can a thrive approach support teachers and pupils with this, like? What do you do if you've got a a class that's, I don't want to say disruptive, but you've got a class that's really chatty or you've got a whole class that have been, how do you approach it using the Thrive approach? Like, how do you, how does it work?
1: So if we take the phrase, all behaviour is communication of unmet need, Mm. and we look at chatty as a behaviour, what that might actually translate as is loud and distracted and not focused, excited. Um, you know children as a group you know they they will be thinking about what's coming what's been Um, so it's about checking in with the emotional tone Mm -hmm. why why is this class chatty what are they chatting about if they're chatting about their learning I bet it's a little bit noisy but they're really engaged in what they're doing then great embrace that Mm -hmm. if they're not focused and they're chatting and they're talking to each other and they're not listening, then what's happening there? You know, is it too hard? Is what you're asking them to do beyond what they think they can manage? Is, is it that they're bored? Is it that they are hungry or tired or lonely or then, you know, what, what is it when we're chatting, what we're doing is we're reaching out for connection. Mm -hmm. And if we think about that relational regulation Are they dysregulated in any way? You know, is there an adult in the room that's unfamiliar? Has there been a change in the the routine? And these are all the kind of things when we talk about curiosity that we would be wandering into. What is the experience for the children? Yeah. When you get that, you can make the change.
0: Yeah, uh, this is a bit I find difficult because I've taught, and you know, I I can picture head, t- classes in my head. and thinking I've done a lot of this detective work, and I've been thinking like, what 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 have I done wrong, or why are they so chatty at the moment, and what's the? And it's really hard to to then think, yeah, how do you sort how do you sort that out using like a trauma informed or trauma sensitive approach? I find that really, weird. yeah, I'm just being completely honest. I find that myself quite a difficult one to get my head around because I know. A, it's they're not we don't want to give like sanctions. send them out put the names on the board I agree with that but what do you, what do you physically do like if you're stood there in front of a class and they're being really chatty and they're not listening to the teacher using a trauma sensitive approach what, what would you physically do?
1: I, I would be looking at the energy levels and if they're really fizzy and, and they just, you know, maybe the days that they get this the worst is on wet play days and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think if they were really just not settled, I, I might take them outside. Yeah. I might just say, just, just run around for two minutes or jump up and down the spot or let's just go into the hall or let's go for a, a, a sensory walk. Let's do something to settle us down because you're not ready for learning. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. as a class, you're just distracted older children I'd actually be saying this yeah you know, what I'm missing is that you are really struggling to focus today yeah and I'm you know I'm thinking about what it is I'm teaching and you can be playful with them you can say you know I'm wondering what it is that's happening for you guys today because yeah. I've got this lesson that I really am excited to do with you and I've and yet you're not ready to learn and I'm you know me, what's happening yeah
0: yeah sort of get them involved in in problem solving a little bit as well and thinking for themselves on that yeah cool so there's been a lot of conversations sort of like what I've just said a few sort of misconceptions perhaps or concerns about this sort of approach And you know, you've said it's not the latest fad you've been going on for 20-25 years so I won't ask that question um some people have said and this is me creating things I've read on social media that um are we not just excusing bad behavior using this sort of approach
1: what would you say back to that I think that the adults are full. I think adults are, you know, teachers are stressed, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, they're finding it really tricky, mm-hmm. and understandably so, because they're having to deal with and more than they've ever had to deal with before. Yeah. What happens when we when we feel overwhelmed is we become rigid. And what we do is we rely on tools that work um, in a way that give us some control. Mm-hmm. And so when we see that children are causing harm when we see that there is disruption we we need to see a consequence for that you know this has happened and that needs there needs to be this happening and that's fine if a child is, has made a choice consciously to behave in the wrong way mm-hmm. then you can say you know this is not okay you need to settle yourself down and you need to focus on what I'm doing because we know that a child is in there, they've got the capacity to think and when yeah. they've got the capacity to think they've got the capacity to choose. Yeah. The difficulty is, is that based on everything we said about underdeveloped stress regulation systems, is that children are not choosing their behaviour and so when they're not choosing it, how do we then respond to it? So to give you an example, if if you went to Sainsbury's
0: and I went to Sainsbury's this morning that's quite <laughs> funny <laughs> before the podcast <laughs> yeah I'm there I'm in I'm in the head I'm there Mel I'm in okay. Sainsbury's
1: but so, so you went to Sainsbury's you popped in you had a few things on your list you're a bit short of time and everything goes wrong so there's a a car a queue to get into the car park and then when you get there there's a, you know there's not many tills open and you get what you need you've had to compromise because the thing you really wanted wasn't there and you've had to settle to something else and you get to the till and you haven't got your purse know. Okay. the way you behave in that moment is not consciously thought out no so so you might just find yourself swearing yeah. you know even if it's under your breath there'll be a word that will come into your mind and you and and you'll you'll be aware that you're taking that breath, yeah. and, and, and that you might make a face at somebody that is not very helpful, and it's not going to solve your problem. You I might feel have, like you might oh, have hey, seen hey. me
0: at the supermarket this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, dro- I was doing a school run. <laughs> I was stressed. I was thinking I need to get back for the podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> I am some sort of camera. <laughs> yeah.
1: The point is, Georgina, is that as adults we experience these challenges, and we respond. Yeah, and and I talk to adults all the time in training and they tell me that they stamp their foot that they swear that they bang things down that they walk off um, that they drive too fast and they are not kind and compassionate towards other people in that moment because it's all about them yeah and this is the same for children and so when to go back to your question you know when children are behaving like this what we have to ask ourselves is are they choosing it yeah if it's a survival response then we're going to respond to them in a very different way to if they threw a grape at your head when you turned around yeah you know if if they're being disruptive and they're trying to be funny there's don't get me wrong we could we could you know that child still needs some support okay you know there's there's reasons why he's attention needing um I say he because it's generally boys that do that um that's a whole other area but you know if all behavior is communication even the boy that throws a grape at the teacher's head there's a reason behind it Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but it's about how we respond and that's the crucial thing you know how would you want somebody to respond to you at that moment in Sainsbury's when yeah, you have not kindness got everyone starts tutting behind you oh
0: gosh you know
1: what you don't want is someone tapping you on the shoulder and saying excuse me we don't have that language in here could you leave <laughs> you know? can you imagine oh yeah. my
0: goodness yeah
1: what you don't want is somebody looking at you and and making you feel worse like
0: you already feel yeah you're a bad
1: person mm-hmm. you know and that's that's what we're trying to do. We're, yeah. we're to say, you know, this behavior is communicating something. It's not helpful and it's not problem solving and it's disruptive and it causes harm. All of that's given. Yeah. But what we're looking at is what does this child need? Because yeah. if they get it right, then they would.
0: Yeah. And I suppose it's it's even looking back, you know, when you've toddlers when they're having like a toddler tantrum. Um if you tell them off during that moment when they're not in control it's completely pointless isn't it because they aren't in control of it they're not it's not their conscious brain thinking about what they're doing it's just emotion fight or flight emotion and there's literally no point in telling them off because they can't even hear you off and they've no like understanding of what you're saying anyone who's dealt with a toddler will know this um Yeah, so there's there's absolutely nothing to be gained in that moment in telling that child off. It's afterwards, maybe tell them about, you know, we don't do that or whatever. But in that moment...
1: No. No. And that's important, Georgina, because there's a a misconception that Thrive is fluffy and it's just about being kind to children. And if we're Mm. nice to children, everything will be fine. And that's not the case at all. Children need boundaries. Children need to know what is okay and what is not okay. Yeah. But they also need understanding and compassion. Yeah. So when we experience something that feels overwhelming and threatening, what we want is to be met with somebody that says, well, that was really hard for you. I'm so sorry that happened. Can I do anything to help? Yeah. And in that moment, as you rightly said, with your toddlers, that's not the time to do it. The time in the moment is just to be alongside and let them know they're not alone and that you get there.
0: Yeah.
1: That later on, when they've got the capacity to think about it then we can be alongside them and do that thinking with them. So what yeah. I noticed earlier was you got really, really upset and you ripped up your work. And I was so sad to see that because what I'd seen before was that you were working so hard on it and I could see how hard you were trying and something went wrong and you felt in that moment that you weren't good enough and you ripped it up and you didn't want people to see it. And I'm so sorry that happened. And I'm going to help you manage that in the future by thinking about what you yeah. could have said.
0: yeah it makes so much sense it's not I think I think on social media and perhaps the news as well media in general there's been quite a lot of misconception. it seems to be like one side or the other either we're going for like sanctions and behavior management traditional way or we're going for this and and people have perhaps misportrayed it like you say it's a bit fluffier than it is but that's not what you're saying you're saying we're looking at relationships and yeah yeah
1: the, I, they want it, is to show children how to how to change their behaviour, how to have helpful ways to solve yeah. their problems, how to have um, some strategies so that when things go wrong, instead of feeling like they're alone with it and they have to survive it by themselves, to know that actually I can ask for help. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's and, what we want for adults, isn't it? Absolutely. And when we look at the mental health crisis, why, are we, why has it happened? Because people feel they can't say. People feel that they... You know, I don't want to bother people. Yeah, I feel alone in it. Yeah, this is this is just my problem. It's no one else's problem. No one can help me.
0: Yeah,
1: that's what we hear a lot. No one can help me. Oh gosh!
0: Wow. Yeah. So another question, another one of these things that I've read that people are like these misconceptions, I must point out, these aren't things that I think, these are just <laughs> me being devil's advocate almost here <laughs> But someone said about relationships and saying that's all well and good. The relationships are great. And if you have a fantastic relationship with your class, they'll probably, you know, you can, they'll want to learn for you. Everything will work perfectly. But what, are you not just setting up the new staff, the, you know, the ECTs, the or supply staff that come into the school, how do they then teach that class if it's all about relationships.
1: So if I've understood the question correctly, Mm. you know, what you're saying is, is that there is a teacher who has got a really great relationship with their class and they're happy and then that class move on to a new teacher?
0: Yeah, or they're off sick and they've got a supply teacher comes in. How would that supply teacher then get the best out of those kids and the kids behave well for them and everyone be happy and learning? if so much of it is down to the relationship
1: with that teacher? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd say, and, you know, working in, in an SEN unit, um, I know how dysregulating it is mm. to have somebody come in that the children don't know. Yeah. You know, so we, as a supply teacher, my advice to them would be, don't worry too much about the learning today. You know, it's going to be tricky anyway because yeah. they don't know you. Yeah. So the very first thing you need to do is get to know them. Yeah. So the very first thing in the day would be to so we use something in Thrive called the VRFs, which is the way that we build relationships. Um, I haven't got time to go into it now. I would love to, but, you know. <laughs> I'd, love I'd love to see. I feel like I could just sit here for hours, hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just chat to you um, all day, please. Now,
1: <laughs> but basically, what we want to do is we want to validate their their emotional experience. So I would be saying to the supply teacher, go in and introduce yourself, share yeah. a little bit of yourself. Tell them how you feel about how it is for you as an adult coming into them. You know, so for example, you know, hello, everyone. So, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry that your regular teacher who you love to be with and have such a fabulous time with is poorly today and can't be here. I I imagine that's going to be really difficult for you all. And now you've got me, somebody you've never met before and that you don't know. So let's spend a few minutes getting to know each other. The so learn names is the very first thing. Yeah, you know, if you've got, if you've got, I, I do this in training. I try really hard to learn people's names, because when we use people's names correctly, that's one of the ways that we feel valued and yeah. seen and recognised. So the very first thing is learn their names. Find out how they like to be known. You might have a register that says my name is Melanie, but actually I don't like being called Melanie. I like to be called Mel. Mm-hmm. And if you call me Melanie all day, I will get the sense of you're being very formal with me and you're holding me at a distance. But if you say now it's friendly and that's welcoming and it's like, oh, you know who I am. Yeah. So. Another thing is making sure we pronounce names right. You know, we're often scared. We see a name written down and we're often scared to say, oh, how do you pronounce that? It never frightens me. I just say, how do you say your name? Help me to get that right. Yeah because that's really important. Yeah. When we get names wrong, it's a barrier. Yeah. So, learn their names. Find out something about them. Tell me something about you that's really interesting. So, this is something about me who would like to go next. Because what you're doing is you're creating safety in the room. You're yeah. communicating to them who you are and you're communicating that I'm interested in you and what you do. It takes time, and unfortunately people don't often make the time.
0: Yeah.
1: But if you don't make the time, what happens is you go straight into phonics or reading, or you know you're, you're numbered for te- you know your starter for the day, and what you've got is kids going, don't know who she is, don't know who she is, don't no. know what it's going to be like. Is she going to like me? How's today going to go? What if I have a problem? Gosh, and yeah. imagine if you could going, hear these thoughts. Yeah. yeah. While you're going, okay, so let's count back from a hundred in sevens. <laughs> yeah. They're going. What? This is so what? <laughs>
0: That would make a brilliant video of like understanding what children are thinking when they have like a new member of staff, wouldn't it? Just like listening to their thoughts in their heads and be like, this is what everyone's thinking. Whilst you're then trying to be like, now say this diagram. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it is, it is about relationships still. And it's just, you just got to work hard at that relationship. And and, and you're right as well, because there is no, if you, you know, it's not, you're not, you're not going to get more learning out of those kids by just skipping that relationship bits and just going straight into it and thinking well I've got all of this stuff I need the teachers put all this stuff on the desk or they've emailed this through I've got to get all of this done you're not going to get through it really if you haven't built the foundation of that relationship
1: anyway so you may as well do your yeah, relationship building yeah get to know them get them let them get to know you and also you've got other staff in the room that might not know you yeah And so what the kids do is they'll be looking at the adults. Yeah. And and the older children especially will be looking at the communication, the Mm. non-communication between the adults. And you ask any eight-year-old which teachers in school like each other and they'll say, oh, yeah, they know. And so the adults almost have to get that. They're they're role modelling that. If if the adults that the children are familiar with, we see this particularly in SEN classes where there's a high ratio of adults, if the adults are communicating well, If they looking relaxed, if they're smiling at each other, if they're being helpful and supportive, that creates safety in the room.
0: Yeah. Gosh, this is. I want to talk to you for hours, please. (laughs) This is brilliant. Um, Last main question, then I'll just go on to like you sharing your links and all of that thing. But one another misconception or another question was: Would it not be better to have more funding for mental health support for kids, like better funding of CAMS, for example, than these sort of
1: approaches? Of course. All right. That's a dead straight answer, of course. Yeah. Um. You know, Thrive Thrive was founded long before there was a mental health crisis and funding crisis. Um. Yeah. What we've seen evolve is that schools are having to become first responders. Yeah. You know, it, more and more, we are having to offer in school that first level of support, which often means that we recognise it and mm-hmm. that we're aware of it, and we can put things in place while children are waiting for professional support. And Thrive, although it's a therapeutic approach, we don't train therapists. Yeah. But that does mean that we do give people the skills to put in that first layer of support. Yeah. It's it's really tough. You know, waiting lists are ridiculous. They're horrendous. <laughs> um, horrendous. So funding, obviously, more funding. You know, and, and the government are trying. You know, uh, there'll be a, a school of thought that says they're not trying enough, but... There is a pot of money available to every school in England for a, for a mental health lead in every school in England, and it amazes me that schools don't know about this. It's it's one thousand two hundred pounds. Right. The DFE are providing funding and training for schools to understand and have a mental health lead, and you know you can access that training through Thrive. You can you can get the funding. You can do that training. Um. I think they're trying but so much more needs to be done and while we're waiting for so much more needing to be done schools are having to pick up the the slack I'm afraid yeah absolutely
0: right so I think there'll be people wanting to find out where to find more Mel so can you direct them give them some links where I'll put these links in the show notes as well so underneath on the podcasting and on YouTube it'll say underneath those as well as some of our resources but can you give us some links of how to find you guys please
1: I mean the, the main one is obviously going to be the website, which yeah. is www.thriveapproach.com. That website has a huge amount of information, um, resources, case studies, things to read, videos to look at. Um just go to the website really and yeah. and have a look there. Cause I mean, all everything we've talked about will be there in some form today um there's also links there where you can book discovery calls with somebody like me who's a relationship manager if you're thinking about wow this sounds great thrive would really help me in my nursery in my school in my provision um you know that to have a conversation with me and one of our team is a very informal this is how we are yeah this is what we do Uh, tell us what you need and we'll think about it it's you know, all of us are extremely passionate about what Thrive does. So, website is definitely the first stop. Um, all the social medias—you'll find us on LinkedIn. I feel like I feel like Test Alien. You'll find us on LinkedIn. And, <laughs> uh, but we're we're there. Just you know, put Thrive approach in. Yeah, you'll yep, find, us. find us. And then individually, there's you know, you can follow us all individually. But, um, but yeah, we're easy to find
0: good well thanks ever so much i've really really enjoyed learning about the thrive approach and, and what you're doing and thank you for um letting me be devil's advocate with some of the things and, and giving us some feedback on that that was really really helpful i think lots of people will will yeah i think that will help so thank you ever so much absolute pleasure thank you very much for inviting me such an interesting topic i hope you enjoyed the episode i've popped the links to their website plus related resources that twinkle have on the show notes below so do go have a look at those and thanks again for listening to Send in the Experts with me, Georgina Durant. Please subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the word. See you next time. Bye.